First of all, hallelujah! It is, it's fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing. And it is caught by Freddie Mitchell. And Bazarchik fumbles the football. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sundays for the Birds, a proud production of us. Just us. Long time no see, everybody. Uh, Your boy was just down in Georgia doing a little bit of hunting, so uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back talking some Eagles football with all of you. And, of course, with my man, my boy, my motherfucking dog, Kyle, not so sharp. What's up, buddy? Good to be back. Um, I don't know how Georgia was, but I missed you. Yeah, it was a good time, man. You know, we uh, I uh, I didn't shoot anything. I missed the one shot that I had, but uh, that's all right. You know, oh, I had man. a good time. The one shot you had. I did. It was the one shot that I had. But um, you know, every night we came back from hunting, and I was uh, I would spend the next uh, four to four to seven hours hammering the fucking whiskey so that sounds just about right for you oh yeah dude we hunt till like three in the morning and i would uh i would drink whiskey till like seven eight in the morning yeah so i, I think it's been like six weeks since we did a in-person pod i think the last time my my seat was getting recovered um so update on my car um i got into a little accident the other day like a week after i got it so now it's gonna have to be in the shop again very soon one yep. thing after another a oh, good thing you work for a body shop. Yeah, yeah, they'll take care of me now. <laughs> I'll get fucked later on on the uh, them raising my insurance rates, but that is what it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so let's just dive right into it. So the Eagles just finished their first preseason game. They lost. Who cares? It's the fucking preseason. Which brings me to my next point. Anybody that's stroking off the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> because... They've won their last 25 preseason games. It's the fucking preseason game. Call me when Lamar wins a playoff game. Call me when this team does anything outside of the regular season. I don't give a fuck about the preseason. You're playing against me and Kyle out there. I'm very flattered. Do you think that I could play in a preseason game? Uh, what position? I don't think you could play in a preseason game. I don't think I could play in a preseason oh, game. Shit. That's my point. You're playing against a bunch of fucking nobodies. Like You're 25 and 0 against a bunch of fucking nobodies. These guys are going to be in the fucking XFL in the Arena League in six weeks. I feel like I'm catching some strays over here, but I'll say this, right? Like preseason, preseason is is useless. It, obviously, the winning doesn't matter, but even though I say winning doesn't matter in the preseason, it's all about talent evaluation, growing your team, all that bullshit. 25 game win streak, regardless of where it's at, is still impressive. I mean, that that that's the avenue that I'm at. 25 games is 25 games. No, I get it, but when you take into consideration that there's, I don't know, six months in between those 25 games, is it even really a win streak? Yeah, oh, that's one way to look at it. That That's true, but I don't know. Like I said, it, it's just it's, it's the preseason. I, I don't give a fuck about the preseason. <clears throat> it's true, it's true. So touching on the preseason, I mean, I didn't watch any of the preseason because, you know, it's preseason. But uh, was there any takeaways from it? Uh, anything crazy that stand out to you or? So it was on in the background while I was at the bar, um, out shooting pool. Um, shout out, just tapping in, going to cities, baby. Um, but no, it was on in the background. Uh, my biggest takeaway: uh, we had a right guard in there, hyphenated last name, named Good Johnson. 
So that was fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> guy don't pass the fucking name test, though. He don't pass the name test. That is not a football name. That is not a guy that's going to be on my 53-man roster. Strictly judging off of the name on the back plate. Um, but Sean Bradley's injury is going to be a pretty mm-hmm. significant one, I think. Um, you saw the Eagles add a few more depth pieces at linebacker um, heading into that preseason game, which will help. Um, but I think the big loss is going to be in special teams. And I know, you know, oh, the mayor's talking about special teams again. Right on well, brand. You know, guess what, motherfucker? It was a problem last year. One of the biggest reasons we lost that Super Bowl last year was special teams. So don't sit here and tell me that it doesn't matter. Um, and Sean Bradley was one of the few guys that actually impressed on special teams last year. Uh, so I think it's going to be a pretty big loss um, in that fact. Yeah, I think it's going to hurt the special teams. Um, like you said, they signed a couple linebackers. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But, I mean, it's just it's pretty on brand for Sean Bradley, right? Like, it feels like one just one thing after another for the guy. So that, that kind of sucks, right, for him. Um, again, I didn't watch the game because, you know, fuck preseason. But I, I saw Rashad Penny tied Trey Sermon for the team leading carries. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, a guy that you expect to be getting a lot of work in the regular season, you know, tied for the team leading carries with nine. You know, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, for, forgive me for not remembering, but was he hurt last year towards the end of the year? That's pretty much where he always is. Okay. So I think it kind of would make sense to get him some in-game action, get him back okay. acclimated to the to the speed. Um, and obviously you're playing against a team in Baltimore that apparently takes preseason pretty seriously. So he's going to be – you know, he got some, some pretty close to – pretty close to, you know – I don't want to say first team reps, but he got some reps against some a little bit better competition than you would expect normally in a preseason. Um, and like I said, just to kind of get him back reacclimated, back up the game speed. Um, I, I don't hate the idea, um, but I will expect to see uh, kind of the load for Rashad uh, taper off here going in towards the end of the preseason. I think, you know, from here on out, we got to prioritize the guy staying healthy. So do you think? The Eagles carry four running backs on the active roster. I think you have to just because of the pieces that are there. I mean, you realistically have four guys that I don't want to say four guys that can start, but you have four guys that would be, you know, significant pieces on any other team in the league. Um, You know, we talk about a guy like Boston Scott. Well, Boston Scott when he's gotten in there has done really well, uh, particularly against the giants, but he's yep, done really Giants-Slayer. well. Um, he's proven himself as an NFL running back. And, you know, when you're talking about, are we carrying four running backs or not? He's the guy that's going to be left out. Yeah. If, if you do decide to not carry four, and you know, that's, that's a guy that you really like to see and, and have around, especially when you have question marks about the top two guys on the depth chart, staying healthy. I mean, I kind of feel bad for Boston Scott. Like, but you know, put yourself in his situation, right? Like, he's been an Eagle for a while now. He's always a depth piece, and he, you know, he just continually gets passed up. He's continually always there, and like you said, he's kind of you know produced decent numbers in the time that he's gotten, specifically versus the Giants. So it kind of sucks for him. I do think they carry four running backs. I think he will be the fourth running back, and then for me, that leaves Trey Sermon, and. Kennedy Brooks, right? Like they're pretty much just, I feel like battling for more or less for a practice squad spot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think at this point, you know, as far as who's leading the clubhouse for that practice squad spot, it's got to be Trey Sermon. Um, You know, like you said, he was, he was getting kind of the the bulk of the carries there. Um, I think they're really trying to get a good look at this guy. Um, You know, obviously he's still around for a reason, right? And coming from San Francisco, a team that definitely values the running back room. Um, I think he's a guy that can certainly, uh, you know, find a home here on the practice squad. Um, I definitely think he's somebody you'd, you'd want to keep around and, and keep out of uh, out of the grips of some of the other teams around the league. But see, that, that's what makes me nervous, right? Like you just touched on it. San Francisco really values the running back position. They always have. Kyle Shanahan always has. So, like, for a team that values the running back position, does it make you worried that after, I believe it was only a year, they were willing to move on from a third-round pick? Like, I mean – they have a, like a, a load of running backs. So it's like the fact that they moved on from him from other people. Like, I don't know how that makes you feel, but 
But I also sometimes you see in the preseason where guys will get an extended look and then the team will move on from him because they weren't happy. Like this is kind of like maybe it's his final audition. If you will, could be. Um, I think a lot of that too was the fact that that San Fran running back room got pretty crowded there towards the end of the season last year. Um, you know, obviously you bring in Christian McCaffrey, and you know you already had uh, Elijah Mitchell in there. Like it was a pretty, pretty crowded uh, room there. And when you take into a, a consideration that what Trey Sermon brings to the table is pretty similar to what they were getting out of Elijah Mitchell, maybe not production wise, but certainly like player profile wise, they're pretty similar players. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. So we touched on Sean Bradley getting injured. Obviously, it sucks for him. But the linebacker depth, they added a couple pieces before the preseason game. Tell me your thoughts on Zach Cunningham and Miles Jack, and then I'll give you mine. I think they're great depth signings. I think this is how he kind of tipping his hat to what we've all been saying all offseason. There's definitely some question marks at the linebacker position um, once you get past the top two guys. And I think this is a great insurance policy. You bring these guys in on one-year deals. Uh, Miles Jack is a guy that's, you know, made a, a nice little name for himself in the league. Um, pretty established veteran. I think he's going to be a great addition. I think um, Zach Cunningham, another guy that's, you know, made a nice little name for himself, and he'll also be a great addition. And, you know, if if the top two guys that you have either go down or maybe they don't work out the way you expect it. I mean, we, we mentioned it before. There's so much weight on the shoulders of N'Kobe Dean, and I think just having a few more veterans in that room, um, you know, to kind of help him be a little bit more present and, and, and take on that leadership role, I think uh, can do nothing but good for this team, and particularly the linebacker room. So I actually like both these players better than Nicholas Morrow. So I've been seeing a lot of buzz that Nicholas Morrow might, you know, not even make the roster. He may be similar to Jacquez Tart. Was it Jacquez's first name? Jaquiski Tart. Jaquiski Tart, you know, from a, a year ago where we all thought, you know, this is your starting safety. And then boom, you know, a couple weeks later, he's not even making the team. Now, granted, you know, Tart was had some personal stuff going on. He was in and right, out. And he of, also signed CJ GJ. Yeah. So th there was some other stuff there, but I've been hearing some similar comps to that. And Christian Ellis is getting a lot of pub. Uh, he, he's getting a lot of pub. Some people might think he has an outside shot at one of the starting linebacker positions, but back to Zach Cunningham and miles Jack, I, I like both the players, you know, they're both aren't the same player that they were a couple years ago. Jack was better. Obviously when he was with Jacksonville Cunningham better when he was with the Texans, but they still got stuff left in the tank. And I think for rotational depth, I think also for players that have been starters in the league for, you know, four or five years, I think that provides, you know, good insight to Nicobe Dean. I think Miles Jack, you know, in particular, Zach Cunningham as well, but Miles Jack in particular has always been a class act. And I think that'll really be good for Nicobe Dean because I, I don't think he really has that right now on the team at the linebacker position, I would say. Absolutely. So so real quick, while we're while we're talking about the defense. Uh, Sean Desai has been in the media a lot lately, um, and he keeps mentioning it, that this defense is going to have the identity of the city, right? That we're going to go out there and we're going to punch teams in the mouth and we're going to be aggressive. You know, do, do you really buy into that or, or is that or is that him just, uh, you know, kind of hyping up the Philly media and, and giving us all what we want to hear? No, that, that that's coach talk, right? Like, especially for a guy that is coming in. A defense that had success last year, but a lot of people still doubted the defensive coordinator. You know, he's coming in and he's putting his print on it. He's saying the right things right from the get-go, telling the fans what they want to hear. I think that's all that is coach speak. I don't really read too much into that. But again, we'll see. A couple weeks into the year, we could be saying differently. So I partially am with you where I think it's coach speak, but there is part of me that wants to believe it because he does have a coaching history in the city. He spent time at, at Temple University. As a coach, I think he kind of knows what we expect out of our football teams here in Philadelphia. Now, I'm not expecting a Buddy Ryan or a Jim Johnson level of defense where you're, where you're throwing blitz after blitz out there, but I do expect a little bit more aggressiveness than we saw out of Jonathan Gannon last year. And I think with the weapons that we have on this defense to do anything other than throw some exotic packages out there and, and some some different looks um, you know, even beyond just the blitzing, just just changing things up a little bit, you know, use that NASCAR package, bring some speed in on the inside. Um, these are all things that we can do and and be be great at doing. 
you know, and, and I'm really interested to see as we get into the regular season here and kind of the vanilla defense goes away from the preseason, uh, what Sean Desai has cooked up for this defense. Well, I don't want a little more aggressive. I want a lot more aggressive because, like, let's be honest, anything can be more aggressive than what we saw last year, right? So he, he's got to take a big step forward in that. But I think he will, right? Because I think specifically up front in the front seven, I think they might have actually gotten better. Maybe not, maybe not the front seven, but specifically on the D line, right? right? Like they lost Jordan Hargrave, guy who had double digit sacks up the middle. Javon Hargrave. Yeah, what did I say? Jordan. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible fucking names. Kyle, not so sharp, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know how it is. So Javon Hargrave, yeah, they lost him. But I think with the addition of Nolan Smith, you know, I think they got Jalen Carter. Like, dude, they might honestly be better on the defensive line than they were last year. And that's for a team that had 70 sacks last year. So I, I do think he's going to be more creative. I think he also has not, not that Jonathan Gannon didn't have stuff to be creative with, but I think Sean Desai has more at his disposal to be creative with, if that makes sense. Right. And so I don't necessarily think that the shortcomings of Jonathan Gannon were with what he was doing with the front seven. It was really on the back end where he lacked the aggressiveness. You didn't see bump and run coverage. You didn't see press man coverage. You saw a vanilla, plain shell coverage all the time. And you consistently got beat underneath. So let me ask you this, because we've talked about Slay and Bradbury both getting older. Avante Maddox, a little bit of injury problems, whatever. Safeties, super inexperienced. That's some big question marks for the team as well. Does that lead him to play more of a, of a vanilla style defense? You know, because there is questions about the longevity of your corners and if your safeties are good enough to play. Because, like, you, if you're playing tight man coverage, your safety's got to be able to make up that ground for if they get beat. Well, you know what? You know how I feel about the corners. I think we have the best trio of corners in the league with Slay, Bradbury, and Maddox when he's healthy. Maddox, please stay healthy this year. Um, but no, seriously, I think we have the best trio of corners in the league. And I think when you have a trio of guys like that, you can kind of trust your safeties a little bit more to, you know, to maybe make some mistakes. Um, but even at that, right, like, I feel like if you're playing bump and run coverage, I think your safeties have been playing football long enough. They should be able to recognize that they need to get up and help, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, it needs to be an all-out cover zero, no help over the top. But I'd I'd like a little bit more press coverage. I, I would like I'd like to see us challenge these number one wide receivers a little bit more because when you're playing against guys that are so quick off the line and they they win that first step automatically, you know, and they're able to create that separation right off the hop. It doesn't matter how far back you play. At that point, I think your your best bet is to get up in their face, talk a little trash, get physical with them run them out to the sidelines on run plays, like just just mean mug the shit out of them and get fucking aggressive out there on the edges. Yeah, and I think one example of that is earlier on in the season when they played Minnesota, as good as Justin Jefferson is, Slay was giving him problems, right? He was getting up in his grill a little bit. You know, they were still playing some zone, but like Jefferson dogged everyone all year, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that was one of his worst statistical games of the season. I think he had yes, it was. like three catches for 37 yards. Don't quote me on that. He's going to have another one this year. Well, that might be a little bit of a hot take. I mean, I, I don't know if I... Bro, he's got prime time. It's We're playing the Vikings in prime time again. It's prime time, Kirk. I, you look, look, look. My I, man's overall drops 10 points when the bright lights are on. I know it's prime time, Kirk. I get that. But I wouldn't bet on a guy like Justin Jefferson finishing with less than 40 yards receiving versus the same team twice. I mean, he may not go off for like 150 and two touchdowns, but like he's going to get 80 yards, I feel like. I'm fine with giving him 80. Okay, okay. So like, yeah, I, I feel like that's containing him, but that's not like completely neutralizing him like they did last time, if that makes that's sense. That's fine. Okay, all right. That's fine. And he doesn't have as much help opposite of him anymore either. Ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Jordan Addison's a dog. I like his route run. He's super polished. Like, look. Nobody likes white receivers more than me, right? Like, <laughs> dude, I love me some white boy receivers, right? I love me white boy DBs even more, but they're, like, few and far between. So, like, it's just stuck rooting for the – Shout out my man, Kurt Coleman. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> it's just you're stuck rooting for the receivers. But Adam Thielen last year or two wasn't the same player he was three, four, five years ago back when Diggs was there. So, I, I, I would argue that Addison might be an upgrade over Thielen. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, you want to talk about white boy receivers. I mean, Hawkinson at tight end. 
you know, he's a good player and he's going to be there too. No, I get it. And, but you got to remember too, the running game is going to be a lot less of a threat. So you can kind of play a little bit more of a one dimensional defense. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I will, speaking of which fresh, uh, fresh off the press today, uh, one year deal, Dalvin cook to the New York jets. One year's 8.6 million. How do you feel about that? Um, I think it's a great deal for the jets. I think they're going to get probably the last good little bit of his prime out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's them showing faith in Aaron Rodgers and, and getting him what he wants to win. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as it is to say, but the Jets, I feel like, are pushing for a win-now mode championship within the next year or two. Crazy to say, but... Well, you know what's nice about where they're at? Like, they didn't completely move on from their young quarterback. I think they realize Zach Wilson needs a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more polishing. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is, has been pretty open to the idea of helping coach him along. Which is weird because he wasn't like that in Green Bay with love. So it's like it's kind of ironic, but yes and no though because the, the Packers never gave him gave him any help. They didn't go out and they didn't draft an offensive player before the third round. The entire time he was their starting quarterback. The entire time. Yes. Well, that's not true because AJ Dillon was a running back, second round pick, Boston College. I'm sorry, it was second round. Second, second round. round. Second My round. bad. Okay, right. My bad. But they have ne they never spent a first round pick on offense. Well, yeah, on a they, weapon. They didn't really invest on that. I, I understand that. And so now he's now he's in New York, and they're giving him everything that he's asked for. They're putting weapons around him, and I think he's you know kind of knows this is going to be his last hurrah. So why not go all in, win now mode, and set the franchise that's given you everything you've asked for up for the future by coaching along Zach Wilson. Yeah, no, I, I'll be interested to see how the Jets do. It'd be weird to see them finish first in the division, but that's another topic for another day. So back, back to the Eagles, back to the linebacker position. I, I don't know if I got a specific answer out of you. Which signing do you like better, Cunningham or Miles Jack, and who sees the field more this year? Ooh. I'm putting you on the spot. I like the Miles Jack signing more. But I think Cunningham's going to see the field a little bit more. Interesting. Do you think? Are you buying Ellis as a sleeper to start? I don't know about start, but I do think he's definitely going to make the roster. I think he's going to. Be oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about start. I I have no doubt that he's going to make the roster. I just feel like between Jack and Cunningham, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them didn't make the team. For as weird as that sounds. I mean, you were just talking about them moving on from Morrow also. That's true. That's true. And I don't think you go out and sign Jack and Cunningham if you feel like you're going to move on from them. Yeah, you're right. Now I'm thinking about two out of the three of those guys have to make the roster. Yeah, and two of them were just signed last week. So but It's just because, like, the Eagles, they don't, like, they've never rotated the linebackers either. Like, I, you know, I've complained about that numerous times, how, like, just never yeah, any just time how year. stupid it was, and like irresponsible and whatever. So it's like I don't know that I see those guys being backups where they're sitting on the bench all the time, you know. And I don't see them rotating their linebackers either. So I, I'm curious to see how it pans out. Right. I think part of this too is going to be addressing some of the special teams, also. Okay. I, I think your linebackers are going to play a lot on special teams. I think it's going to be an opportunity for some of these young guys um, to really show what they got and uh, and earn a spot on the roster. And you know, I, I think if you if you got them going all out on special teams, uh, maybe you do rotate the linebackers a little bit more this year. And this is a completely different defense coming in this year. I mean, similar philosophy, obviously. Um, you know, Nick's not going to bring somebody in here that disagrees with the way he feels a defense should be run. Um, but I think there's going to be some minor differences. And, and you know, I think making these signings shows a value at the linebacker position that we haven't seen the Eagles really do, honestly, since since Jeremiah Trotter. I mean, mm. we really haven't valued the linebacker position since then. That's been a while. I just – I don't know how difficult it is. Like, I've never played, obviously, you know, 5'7", 150-pound white boy here, so – I don't know how difficult it is for players that have been starters their whole career to then just be willing to switch over to a special teams role. I don't think those guys are going to be playing special teams. I think they're going to be taking some of the 
some of the regular defensive snaps away as guys kind of wear themselves out on special teams. Okay. Like you saw the Eagles in years past when the special teams units have been really good. You had players like Cole Anderson that came in specifically to play special teams. And while I don't think you're going to give up a roster spot to somebody just to play special teams other than your long snapper, um, I do think you're going to see a little bit more emphasis on it this year, especially after that debauchery we had last year. So side discussion here. I'm so happy you brought up long snapper. There is not a worse roster spot in football than the fucking long snapper. You're a professional NFL center. All you have to do, well, I mean, not all you have to do, but you know, your primarily job is to get the ball to the quarterback than block, right? I know it's more involved than that, but you're telling me you can't make a couple more throws longer back from the shotgun setting. Like to pay a guy strictly just to hold snap on, the ball on. on special teams. Like I know I'm not a big special teams guy. I know I know this is your spot, but that's just crazy to me. It's not even a spe- so you're showing your ignorance here. You mentioned earlier that you never played football. That's true. Well, I never played at, at a higher at a much higher level. I can explain to you why the long snapper is a separate roster spot. Okay, I, I've never heard this discussion. I'm I'm willing to listen here. Because your long snapper isn't just responsible for snapping and blocking. Your long snapper, particularly on punts, is also responsible for punt coverage. Really? You watch. Next time there's a punt play, watch the long snapper. He's going to snap, set, make sure nobody kills the punter, and then gun his ass down the field. You ain't having no 300-pound offensive lineman run down the field to tackle a wide receiver that runs a 4-3-40. So he, he's responsible for punt coverage, really. I, ne- I never would have guessed that. Everybody on the punt unit is responsible for punt coverage, including the punter. Yeah, but like it's everybody always like laughs at the punter when he goes to make a tackle, right? Like it's always funny. Like you know, shout out Pat McAfee. You know, yeah, well, Pat McAfee he was one that was actually good at it. But like <laughs> everybody always laughs when the punter, you know, makes like this half-ass dive, and it's like yeah, it grabs him by the shoestring. Yeah, or it's like he actually makes a tackle, and it's like bro, you got taken down by the runner. Like come on, man. Like yeah, and and it is also a completely different style of snap. You know, I understand. Like, you're from, actually, snap. You're snapping back with like a spiral motion. Yeah, you know, it's fuck. It's hard. And it I, I, hard. I understand that. I understand it's a different style from the shotgun or under center, or whatever. I understand it's a big difference in in length. You know, you're snapping and everything. But I just see these guys that are professionals making, uh, you know, millions of dollars, and I'm like, damn, the center couldn't do that too. And then what's even worse is like when I see the long snapper fuck up the snap, and I'm like, bro, you got one job, like. Like, that's all you're there for. Like, no, I hear you. And, and some of these guys do have like additional positions that they can play. They're just usually not that great at them. Okay. Like, Chris Maragos is a like a 19th string fucking free safety. <laughs> <laughs> is that an insult or is that like, is that like a, a good thing? Like, he's a great long snapper. He's not a great free safety. Like, when he's negotiating that contract, is he like, listen, coach, when the other 18 guys are down, you're calling me to play safety back there. Throw in a couple extra dollars. Like, is that a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much negotiating with a long snapper. Okay. I I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to next time pay attention a little bit more on special teams and, and you know, watch the, the long snappers when they run down the field. Yeah. All yeah, right. I'm, I'm telling you, it's snap back, set, nobody killed the punter, gone. All right. Me, I don't. Ignorance is bliss, as they say. Absolutely. Speaking of bliss, our boy Jalen Hurts signing with the Jordan brand. Our boy, really. You know, earlier at work. You're starting to come around here. I'm starting to come around, and I I really think he's going to show some people this year. And not for nothing, we are recording in the Hurts locker. But earlier today, I was talking fantasy football with somebody, and we were talking about Superflex leagues, and I said Jalen Hurts is the number one overall pick. In a super flex league, there's no doubt about it to me. And he said, "Wow, it is crazy to hear you say that about Jalen Hurts." And I was like, "That's just the truth." Like, you know, when you're starting two quarterbacks, yeah, it, you know, him and Mahomes are right there. I think Hurts's options for stacking are better. So it's like, yeah, I'm getting all the Hurts I can in super flex. Yeah, I, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he led fantasy football in points last year, right? 
or he came I, close to it. I know he was. I know he was second the year before last. It, it might have been on a per game basis because I think he missed a couple and Mahomes right. played all of them. But on a per game basis, it might have been like that. But I know. Look, I I hate saying this, but I, I've been wrong before. My bad. Uh, in I, I was wrong about Jalen Hurts. Like you know, he he sure appears to be the guy. But uh, you know, t- tell me a little bit about this Jordan contract. So I haven't seen much. Uh, you know, in terms of, like figures and stuff like I usually don't with Jordan players. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of keep every, a lot of stuff under wraps. Um, but to me, I think it just shows it shows again that this guy is the guy. You know, he's he's here to stay. He's going to be in the league for a long time. Um, you know, Jordan Jordan doesn't sign average players. Yeah. They sign the best of the best. Nope. Yep. You're no. You're and, absolutely right. You know, I think this is just one more check mark for hearts to say i'm arrived i'm here and i ain't fucking going nowhere so i, I did see that those cleats he was doing in practice and they looked nice i'll just throw that out there you know normally cleats you don't really see jordans so i was again i don't really pay attention to There's like very few football players in the league that are signed by jordan okay is that is that a thing because like I, I was very about to ask few. you that right like i always see the basketball player signing jordan like you know when they gave zion the contract out of college and everything like you know, everybody, it's what he played, basketball, so everybody associates it with it. But I was kind of curious to see, you know, Jalen Hurts sign him with it. Yeah. So, like I said, just, just another, you know, one more thing to add to his resume as an up-and-coming hotshot MVP candidate motherfucking quarterback. I mean, look, th- th- this is going to be his year. I do fully believe it. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but, I mean, this is the year where he fully cements himself as a top-five quarterback, right? Because even as good as the years he had last year, there's still some haters out there. Right. There's going to be a lot of people that say that we had a cake schedule last year. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. We did. We had a pretty easy walk to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then there's people like me who are like, oh, I kind of want to see it for another year from him. But like, dude, this is his year. He's got the yeah. weapons. And I mean, you, He's got you the see line. A lot in Philadelphia, too, because, you know, not for nothing, Carson Wentz had that one MVP caliber year and then he fell apart. Granted, injuries had a lot to do with that. And I think Carson Wentz was a mental midget. Hold up. Hold and up. He couldn't handle the pressure of playing in Philadelphia. And Jalen Hurts is the complete opposite. But I think there are some people that are scared after that, after one great year and one big contract. Hold up, hold up, brother. I got to cut you off right there. Because when I compared Jalen Hurts to, you know, to Carson Wentz and said, oh, Carson Wentz had the MVP season and then he fell off, blah, blah. You gave me the biggest death stare I've ever fucking seen. Right, and I still would. Oh, oh, oh but I you're was playing. To bring it up. No, I'm playing devil's advocate. Oh, I'm okay, telling you why right. some people in the city may be in a position like you, where they want to see another year of continued, sustained success. Okay, all right. All right. If you want to play, devil's you know advocate, what side of the line I'm on. No, I know. It's just kind of crazy to hear you say that. I'm like, hold up. I, we've had conversations about this before. It's where called objective journalism. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, the biggest I I don't want to say the biggest homer, but I mean, dude, you are an Eagles guy through and through. You will stand by your guys and you're sitting here saying objective journalism. Woo. I got nothing. Hey, I'm a, I'm I'm a Birds fan through and through, but I still call it like I say it. All right. All right. I hear you. Um uh, one other thing I want I wanted to bring up is I, I was watching uh, some, you know, highlights earlier and Devontae Smith absolutely cooked Denzel Ward in that joint practice. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen that clip? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, dude, he cooked him, man. Devontae's the best number two receiver in the league. There's no doubt. Best number two. I feel like we just talked about this, uh, you know, not too long ago. I feel like you had Waddle number two. That's the best number two. I did. You did? Oh, you're already, already walking that back? Another year of growth, baby. Let me ask you this. Who had who has the better year, Devontae or AJ Brown? From a numbers perspective, I, AJ Brown's the better receiver in my opinion. He's the alpha one, but that wants to make him with some bracket coverage. Who is the better statistical year? I think in terms of more consistent, like you're, like if we're looking at yards per game, I think it's going to be Devontae. I agree. With that. I think he's going to give you a consistent seventy-five. To 100 yards every game, and he'll probably pop off for a couple, you know, 120, 150 yard games. AJ Brown is still the better receiver on this roster, but like you mentioned, that comes with a lot of added pressure, comes with a lot of added coverage, and a lot of extra attention. Now, so I, I again, I, 
people at work always talking about football and everything. Yeah, you know, how much I love football. I think Devontae, I think he's the more consistent receiver from a numbers perspective. I think he finishes with more catches. But I think A.J. Brown has more yards just like last year, and I think he also has more touchdowns. Yeah, he's, he's got a greater ability to take the top off of the defense out of the two of them. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people aren't talking about here, and, and this will kind of tie back into him being, in my opinion, the best number two wide receiver in the league. Um, and that's kind of me projecting forward. I think if you're looking at last year, it was Waddle, hands down. But I think moving forward, you're going to see Devontae kind of step into that number one, number two role. Um, I mean, it's not it's if, not, it's not, not far-fetched to say, right? right. Like, if if yeah. nothing else, because everybody around him is going to be healthy again. You know, Dallas Goddard is going to play again. He missed a lot of time with that shoulder injury last year. And that hurt. Like, that's that's extra attention that can be taken away from either one of them. The more weapons you have on the field, obviously, the you know, the more the attention has to be spread around. You can't just zoom in on one, two guys. Now, all of a sudden, you have three top-quality weapons. And don't forget, you still have to account for the quarterback and his legs. Yeah, I mean, you could also, again, play devil's advocate. You could say that because Goddard's there, there's going to be less touches to go around, so that might take away from its production it could it could but i think goddard's going to draw a lot more safeties you're not going to stick a linebacker on dallas goddard so i think that's going to leave a lot of one-on-one matchups for Devontae smith and and in most of those situations against the number two corner i feel like Devontae is going to win yeah oh yeah yeah Devontae versus number two corner i mean again i know it's just a right practice against Devontae. number two corner against Devontae with no safety help because the safety's on goddard and the other safety's cheating towards AJ Brown's Brown, side. Of the yep. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Devontae. You could definitely already arguably make the case, you know, for him being one of the better number twos in the league, if not the best. Like, I mean, he's he's on a short list. Like, I'm I'm not gonna argue that. Absolutely. Uh, a couple concerning things. I did see that earlier today. Jason Kelsey left the uh, left the practice field. Ooh. I did not see that. Yeah, it was Jason Kelsey and uh, one other player. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, give me a minute here. I can find out. But, uh, Again, not, th- not that I'm wishing it, but Jason Kelsey, you know, let's say he's out. I, you know, I don't know what it is. It might have just been, you know, cramping. But I would assume Jurgens automatically slides over to center, and then you got yeah, it was, uh, playing the guard. It was Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey. Oof, um, two guards. Or two offensive linemen. Yeah, they both line. they both left practice here this morning, uh, according to Inside the Eagles. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything serious. Like you said, it, it's probably just cramping or you know something along those lines. I'm I'm really not concerned. I mean, you've seen Kelsey; he's a fucking Iron Man out there. Um, same thing with Dickerson. Um, you did bring up Cam Jurgens and Steen, and. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about how that was going to be an interesting battle. Um, but everything I'm hearing, Cam Jerkins is running away with that job. Yeah, I, I've heard he's more or less locked it up. Um, I'm not surprised that he's going to be the – well, they haven't announced it, but I'm not surprised that he's going to be the starter. But I am surprised that it doesn't seem to be a competition like we thought. And I, I again, I, I, would, I heard it from the grapevine, I feel like, but somebody was talking about Tyler Steen looking good at tackle. Did, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, well, he played tackle in college, and that's he was kind of drafted for that like swing offensive line role, um, possibly fill, fill uh, the Lane Johnson role if he gets hurt or if he decides to hang it up in a couple of years. Yeah, but I, I thought he was a little smaller, so they were like, even though he played tackle in college, they were projecting him as a better guard. I could be making that up, right. Either way, I think he can fill that kind of swing offensive lineman role anyway. Um, but I think it's I think it's going to be beneficial for Cam Jurgens and, and his career moving forward um, to play that guard position. Um, he's going to be right next to Jason Kelsey. He's going to hear him make the calls. He's going to hear him call out pass uh, pass protections and and call out the defenses. And it's still interior offensive line. It's still interior offensive line. And if you project that Steen's going to play more tackle. Like he's probably going to be your first guy off the bench at the tackle position. If you project him to play more tackle, it would make sense to just kind of keep him on that outside. It's a very different world, interior and 
an exterior uh, offensive line. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I'm just I've never been a huge proponent of centers switching over to the guard position. And you know, even though it's temporarily, I've never been a huge fan of it. But at the same time, I feel like Jurgens has to play because he was a second round pick last year. I feel like he ha- almost has to play, but I, I've I've never really been a fan. Hundred percent, because that's a lot of cap to just high up and. In, in the reserves. Yeah, and, and again, we talked about it before, but it's like, you're, you're of course you're going to welcome Jason Kelsey back, but like it, it was like a pretty good understanding. Like a lot of people thought last year might have been his last year. Well, I think I think the run to the Super Bowl definitely helped that. Definitely yeah, definitely helped him yeah. coming back. So I mean, where do they have to finish? Not have to because I don't want to see him retire, obviously. But you know, where do they need to finish for Kelsey to maybe say, you know, my my career's over? Because like. Again, they're one of the better teams in that conference. So, like, what if they do make a conference championship or Super Bowl again? Is he going to say, oh, no, we're still there. I'm coming back another year? I think he will. To be honest with you, I think, and as much as he, as much as he may let on that, you know, his body's starting to break down on this and that, he's still the best center in the league. Granted, it's a lot closer between one and two than it used to be, but he's still the best center in the league. Um and you know what? If if Cam Jurgens can continue to play guard at a high level, um, it's not like you can't get another great center in the draft a few years from now if Kelsey decides to stick around. You know th- that's a, that's another discussion. A lot of people forget that Landon Dickerson was drafted to be a Kelsey replacement. Yep, also, yep. That, that's He's a, the guy that won the Remington Award as the best center in college football. That, that's an interesting discussion. If Jurgens has success at guard, and Kelsey plays a couple more years. Does Jurgens completely abandon the center role? That is a very interesting question. It's it's happened twice already. It's happened with Landon Dickerson currently, and it happened with Isaac Sayamalu before that. Sayamalu was also drafted as a potential replacement at center. But I don't think either of those guys had as high as regards as Jurgens did at center. I could be mistaken on that. I think you're buying into a lot of the hype, a lot of the local media that – Oh, you know, Kelsey handpicked his replacement. He really liked him. He compared him to himself, that kind of thing. Okay. So I think I think there's a lot more of that kind of hype. Um, like, like I said, Landon Dickerson won the Remington Award. Best center in college football. So Cam Jurgens didn't, just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have guys that can play multiple positions and, and fill multiple roles. I mean, you saw it. You saw it in the Super Bowl year. Um, blanking on a name right now. Uh, guard, guard, tackle uh, filled in for Driscoll. No, no, filled in for Brooks when he got hurt. Fuck, this is gonna bother me. Uh, Stefan Wisniewski. Oh, okay, old Stephen Penn Stater. Yep. All right, um, shout Wisniewski out PSU. One. Uh, Nate Herbig more recently was another one. It's great to have guys that can fill multiple roles on that offensive line. And um, I, I, I don't see it being a bad thing at all. So I'll give you this, right? Like, I think versatility is good. But, like, when you have Mylotta, Kelsey, Lean Johnson, versatility at the other spots and on the back spots is good, right? But then let's say those guys start to wean out and you have these other guys who are still, like, versatile, but you don't have those cornerstones, right? Like, like versatile is cool when you have those cornerstones on the line to, like, really – Anchor it, if that makes sense. Do you trust any offensive line coach in the league more than Jeff Stoutland? Stoutland University, baby. That 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 is one of my favorite pregame introductions. Stoutland University. Yes. Like, just look at what he did with Jordan Mailata. The guy never played football, and now he's one of the better left tackles in football. He was a rugby player. Are you still saying he's one of the better left tackles? Because I, there was, he had a little bit of a down year last year. It feels like some people are kind of waning on him a little bit. I mean, it, he's still one of the better left tackles in football. One of, I'm not going to say he's, I'm not going to say he's top ten, but he's probably top fifteen. Oh yeah, top yeah, half yeah, of the yeah. league. Oh yeah, top half of the league for sure, for sure. Yeah, I would never debate that. That would make okay. him one of the better ones. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess we're. Yeah, I'm not going like top five. You know, I'd, right. I'd say he's probably in that top ten, top fifteen kind of. Oh, okay, okay, range. okay. We're 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 saying different things because when I say one of the better, I'm thinking top five, maybe top seven. You know, like right, right, right. Well, and you mentioned him as a as a franchise cornerstone. 
but again, that's that's Stoutland turning a project player into a franchise cornerstone. I don't trust anybody in football more to do that than Jeff Stoutland. There's a reason he's been here through three head coaches. No, that's 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 fair. I, I can't argue with that. Hundred percent. All right. Um, I did want to touch on the running backs. I know we kind of already talked about it a little bit, um, but I'm really curious to see your thoughts on how everything's really going to shake out, what kind of roles everybody's kind of going to fill. And I know we talked about it earlier, and I said Boston Scott might be the odd the odd man out. But as I'm thinking here a little bit more, you think Kenny Gainwell might be in a position to possibly get traded. See, he had a great playoffs last year. He's a fairly similar player to Swift. Kind of shifty, can catch the ball out of the backfield. You were down on him until the playoffs last year. Who who's we? Who or who's you was down on? Are you talking about me or just people in general? People in general, but I know you specifically were. Yeah, I mean he definitely had a good playoffs. I'm still not quite a fan of the player. But I, I actually think he's gonna be played more than people think. You know, I think um Rashad Penny is gonna be the guy to kind of milk the game away in the fourth quarter, you know, if they get up leads. But I really do project them to play a lot more closer games this year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Kenny Gainwell play more than people think. I think he's going to have a third down, two-minute warning roll right off the rip. And I actually think he's going to be a lot more involved than people think. That's just, I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's kind of where I'm at. Um, no, I can see that. And you saw him really kind of start to come into his own. Uh, him and Scott both um, in short yardage last year when he didn't really have that thumper in the backfield. Um, you had two guys, you know, kind of smaller stature guys with such a low pad level that behind that offensive line, they were just kind of able to keep driving their feet and move forward. Yeah, and I don't really know how much of a short yards guy they need because we all know third and inches, third and one, fourth and one. You know, you're going tush push. Yeah, you're you're going with the QB sneak, most unstoppable play in the league. But I I, I don't think Kenny Gainwell's going to get traded. No, I think the coaching staff has something for him. I, I think he's going to surprise some people this year, and it's it's tough for me to say that, right? Because like, I really don't like the player. Nothing against him, you know. Right. Just I, I've always been like that. Like, I just I'll latch onto a player, and he's like, he's like, I like him. I'll latch on a player, and I don't like him. But like, I I really do think he's going to carve out actually a decent role, and I think he's probably going to be a lot bigger of a contributor than people think. Clear cut RB three. Clear cut RB three for fantasy, or you're talking for just usage on the team for the Eagles. I mean, if you're talking from just a snaps from a snap percentage, I, I honestly think he, you know, like you might see like a true committee where it might be split evenly between the three guys. Okay. Because we've also talked about it before, you know, Penny and Swift. I don't trust either one of those guys to stay healthy. All right. So I, th- I think we're both kind of still the same place we were to start the podcast. Just that that entered my mind. I kind of wanted to, you know, get your thought on that. Um, so I think we're I think we're both pretty much. Staying right where we're at, it's going to be a we're going to carry four running backs. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, I, I feel like that's the way it's going. And like don't, I said earlier, especially with the health of the top two guys, yeah, don't, don't expect a thousand yard rusher this year. I, I that's that might get one happen. out of your quarterback. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think I think you may have a thing where like they finish the year with like twenty four hundred yards rushing, and it's like nobody has more than like six hundred yards rushing. Like I, I really think that's where they're at because. You know, people call them like a run first team still. And like, I think the numbers are skewed that way a little bit because of how much they were up. Plus, your quarterback keeping the ball 100%. So much. 100%. Dude, they're a pass first team. Like, I will, I, I stand by that. Like, in the first half in neutral game scripts, dude, they were pass heavy, right? Like, yeah, I mean, Shane Steichen has said it as much since he's been down in Indianapolis. Their philosophy last season was past, uh, pass to score, run yep. to win. Yep. Like Hurts, you're gonna have his design QB runs. Then on top of that, when stuff breaks down, he's gonna scramble. So it's like, and then you're up. Like your numbers are gonna be skewed towards the run. It's just common sense. If you watched Eagles games last year, I don't know how you could say they're a run first team. They were clearly a pass first team. I don't care what the splits say on paper. The people that'll tell you it was a it was a run first team are the people that look at box scores, mm. not the people that watch football. 
Not guys like me and watchers. you. Only time you're watching box scores is when you're betting, baby. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you got anything else for us here. I don't. It was another good episode. It's good to be back. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got except for this. Oh, shit. I have the wrong soundboard on. I don't know how that happened. Hold on. Rewind. Here we go. I don't have anything else to say other than this. Yes, that's right, drunk football fans. Dallas does indeed suck. All right. Uh, I think that's all we got for you here tonight. Uh, Stay tuned on the Twitter. Uh, We'll let you know when we're getting ready to go to two episodes a week. Uh, It'll probably be start of the season. We'll probably go to two episodes a week. Um, Until then, we're going to keep rocking like we have been. Every other Tuesday, right here, same place, same time. Facebook, Twitter, live. We will see you guys right back here, same time. Same place. Two weeks. Go, Birds! B-A-T-L-E-S-E-O!